Welcome to On the Line, a podcast for tennis players, coaches, and fans. I'm your host, Jenny Robb. Today on the line, we have Stan Oli, Playmate Ball Machine Product Marketing Specialist. Stan, thank you so much for being on the line today. No worries. Glad to be here, Jenny. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your journey um, with, with the tennis industry and how, how you got to be involved with Playmate Ball Machines. Um, well, it, my, my, my career started a long time ago when I was uh, playing college tennis. Um, I decided to pursue a career in tennis and left the University of Toledo, mm-hmm. which um, I've said on a couple of occasions is deem me the black sheep in the family um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, everybody else in the family had a you know, college education, had great careers. My brother and sister were a little older than I was. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I chose to, uh, to stay in tennis and uh, began being a teaching pro. And uh, through being a teaching pro, I met um, the people in the ball machine industry, um, one being Jack Scott, who owned Matchmate Ball Machines. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of uh, gelled because I used to teach with the ball machine due to an injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, he found it interesting how I taught with the machine. And then uh, one thing led to another. And uh, I left. I w- went to work for Matchmate for three years out in California. And then mm-hmm. um, uh I left Matchmate and went to Playmate in 1995. Okay, and uh, never looked back. I've been there ever since. Wow, that's that's pretty awesome. So, wh- where are you from originally? Uh, Lima, Ohio. Oh, okay, and so uh, University of Toledo, and then out in California, and then where where are you based now? Um, I'm based in um, Vieira, Florida. It's about due east of Orlando, about 40 miles. Oh, okay. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, I love. I know you, you travel the world, and I, I love you know seeing your pictures of you, you take a picture of the plane <laughs> as, as you're going. And I'm pretty fascinated by how, how you travel with the machines. How does that work? Um, we have a, 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 v, a very unique thing that uh, I started back when I was with Matchmate, where we have what we call authorized sales and service centers, mm-hmm. and uh, they bring the machines to me. They're really awesome people. They sell and service and demo the machines, but when I come to a city, um, they may drive five or six hours to, to meet me, and of course, I'm complaining because I sat for two hours on the plane, <laughs> um, but yeah, they meet me and bring me all the equipment, and uh, yeah, it's really awesome. That is awesome. Wow. Okay, cool. Because I've, I've wondered how, you know, because I've, I've been to many of your um, presentations and they're always fantastic. And I'm like, how did, where did the machine, like, was it here? <laughs> you know, did, no, I have some really great people supporting me. Trust me. <laughs> now, now I, um, I saw you, well, I saw you at, 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 during PTR week in Hilton Head, but then also um, in Hilton Head uh, last fall at the first, um, technology and tennis conference, which was really pretty awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the technology that, that's, that has evolved with, with the machines? Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of cool because, uh, people, you know, when we're developing stuff, um, we kind of take one thing and then build the next thing kind of based on trying to make the, the previous thing better and mm-hmm. more high tech and, mm-hmm. Of course, you're really cl- close to products, and, and so when you actually see the people using the product, it's kind of interesting what we think is easy. What we thought was really, when we were making something, we thought we were making it really simplistic, and to the end user, it still wasn't simplistic enough. And so right, right. in the last probably, I don't know, five years, we created a process called calibration, mm-hmm. and so now the machines get calibrated 
when they go out to the club by that tech rep who supports me. And, and they, uh, now they know everything about that club because, um, the club might have clay where the other court might have, might, might have, uh, the other courts might be a hard court or there's five mm-hmm. motors in the machine and it kind of can bring all those motors together because not all the motors are the same and it from machine to machine. And, you know, you've got altitudes, you've got conditions of the balls, all that stuff gets factored into this really mm. cool calibration process. Wow. So like your club, the machine can be sitting at your club and you bring it to my club and it may not perform as good because it was tailored to your club. So when you right. hit easy lob straight ahead, it throws a perfect lob. Mm-hmm. So what that's created is people wouldn't really practice certain shots. Like they wouldn't throw a lob because it was just too hard to set up or right. they wouldn't throw like a half volley or a low approach because they were like, I don't have any idea how to set that up. Where now they can just go in the back of a unit and just go, hey, I want a medium low approach here and the machine knows what it is. So we think they're probably practicing more shots now. And then the clubs that are, we're talking to are saying that they're actually, uh, there's 25% more revenue and growth in the ball machine once they've bought our iGenie or our iPlaymate tennis machines. Okay. So... So now that also comes with a curriculum now, right? Y- y'all have drills that you, you do because I-, I think that maybe people, including myself, I mean, that weren't necessarily educated and you see the ball machine and it's just going to hit a thousand balls at you and, you know, what are you supposed to do? And, and so is, is that right? Is there a curriculum now that, that sort of is a guide to how to, how to get the most out of the machine? Um, well, there's there's some embedded drills, and they all come with videos. And oh, that's I'm really cool. proud that um, I I created a program called Fit by Tennis in 60 Days about oh, wow. five years ago. Yeah, and, cool. And this we 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 the short term is FBT 60. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to fbt60.com, it's free, mm-hmm. and you can hear how you know what it's about. You know, it's a short video explaining it, and it's basically like I wanted something to rival P90X, but for people that, because I heard all my friends who were playing tennis were doing P90X. I'm like, <laughs> right, well, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's not very tennis oriented. <laughs> no. Your jump strokes. <laughs> I may, maybe get fit, but I wanted to do something and would do both. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what this, what the drills are? There's like nine or ten drills in each, um, each session, and there's um, sixty days worth of sessions, and. Basically, you do each drill one time for 12 or 13 balls, rest 30 seconds, and you do that three times, and then you go on to the next drill. The cool thing about it is it's all in the app, and the, like my drill app that, that goes with the, the iGenie and the iPlaymate um, ball machines. Oh, wow. And so the person can go out there and say, I want to do FBT 60 today. I go to week one and uh, two. I hit my first drill. You get to watch a video of the drill. The machine knows what the drill is and you can push send. And the cool thing is like I can play with my wife, Rachel, uh-huh. who may may want an easy ball. You can select easy ball for that drill. And then when I come up, I say, I want like a medium top spin ball instead. Uh-huh. And the uh-huh. drill will be performed for my level as well. Okay. Wow. That just, that, that kind of just blew my mind. So that is some pretty amazing technology. I mean, and, and the, it sounds very user friendly to be able to, there's already a pre-programmed drill. You can choose you know, sort of the level that you want the ball to come at you. And then it's part of a program. I, this is awesome. I didn't, I didn't even know about this. This is really cool. And there's an app that goes with it too. Yep. The like my drill app, um, which, you know, connects through Bluetooth with the ball machine. Okay. Um, you just sign in your own personal library and create your own drills, but that whole program's embedded in there too. So 
Um, there's a bunch of pre-programmed drills with videos and stuff. So you can actually watch the drill before you actually do it. So you know what you're doing. Well, that's huge. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely sort of on the visual and kinesthetic learner side of the spectrum. So for me to be able to see what the drill is supposed to look like and then copy it, um, that, uh, that's huge. That, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So, we think there's kind of a cool story behind it because, oh, yeah, um, okay. How, how, how that all transpired was I've been on the road for 25 years. And, you know, if I come, if I come see somebody in Texas, they're going to take me to barbecue. If I go somewhere in Kansas City, you might get a steak. I go to Hilton Head, they eat wings. So, <laughs> right. And then everybody's got some craft beer they want you to try. So um, <laughs> right. I was doing okay until about, I don't know, 2010, 11. And then I went to the doctor and they said, wow, you know, your, your numbers are off the charts bad. Uh-oh. And so um, that's when I decided to do a lifestyle and nutritional change, which is part of the FBT 60. If you go there, you can read about it. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I lost 40 pounds doing the program. Wow. That's so awesome. That's, yeah. So it's been uh, six years, seven years going now. So it's sustainable. So I'm the first, first client of FBT 60. <laughs> so it, I think it, I think it works pretty well. What a great, um, testimony to, to the success. That's fantastic. Wow. Okay. This is awesome. So how do people, um, how do people access this? How do you, where do you, where do you go? Um, you can go to the, to that program. You can go to fbt60.com, mm-hmm. uh, or you can go to playmatetennis.com and then hit free drills. And, then, mm-hmm. um, and that way you can see all the free drills, see the videos and all that stuff. Now, what if, what if a, a person wants to do this, but I mean, this would, this would actually be me, like the club down the street where I play, they have a, a older version, um, of it, it is a playmate ball machine, but I don't think they have, oh, well, I'm sure they don't have the IGN part. Like how do you, how do you update an older machine at a club? Um, you can update it to iPlaymate tennis as long as it's from 2012 and newer. Mm. And so, you know, anything from six years back and for an iGenie, you can upgrade it, um, from 2000, like middle, late 2015 and newer, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, th- that's awesome. But for somebody, you know, it's out there, um, and they like, they have our $2,095 Playmate Volley, which is a battery operated machine. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I, I rode FBT 60 oh. is on this this little battery operated machine we, we, we make. And so it's made for personal use and throws two lines, which was sufficient for me. Um, and, and, and trust me, it's that, that machine is not suffice for a club. But my point is, is that it doesn't matter how, um, how old or what people consider non, uh, how do you say sophisticated, <laughs> you can do so much stuff on the machine. Like just with my little two-line machine, I'd go out and play a moon ball with shape on the rise, and I'd back up and play it on the descent and hit everything as a mm-hmm. forehand with a pretty wide range. Right. Well, balls, mm-hmm. and I'm gassed. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be and after, A lot of people like think it's got to do all these crazy <laughs> things to be, you know, be able to teach with it or use it sophisticated-wise, but I can do so much stuff with just two lines. That is really, really cool. I'm so glad that there's more information um, out there about how to use these machines because it, it's almost like when, um, you know, there's so much technology like with, with phones or, or tablets or whatever it is. And I feel like some people just barely scratch the surface of what these, you know, things can actually do. And I, I feel like that's that's me when I approach a ball machine. I go, okay, I can... 
I can have it hit um, over here and have it hit over there and change the the speed and the spin and and that's about all I know how to do. You know, so it's like I, I I think that so many people are just it's almost a little intimidating because it's like I don't know how to make it do all these things that I would love to do, and it's so cool that that technology is out there. And that now you're doing these curriculums where it can be pre-programmed and so it's less intimidating and, and much more, you know, user-friendly. That's just awesome. Yeah, we're trying to trying to fight the good fight because less than <laughs> 5 per, 5% of the United States tennis pros teach with a ball machine. Really? Yeah. And so, and a lot of the clubs, I'm not saying, I mean, I know there's some out there that are big proponents of the machine, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but mm-hmm. a lot of them discourage its use too because they feel it's taking revenue away from their lessons. Oh so no! It's 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 a it's a it's a pretty hard fight, you know, um, to to get people to convince them. And the, the the ones that are using the machines have very successful lesson programs and post lesson mm-hmm. curriculums that hey, hey Jenny, you know, you did great with that lesson today, but I need you to do this twice before I see you again on the ball machine. Those clubs are being very successful with their lesson revenue and their their progress of people getting better. But mm-hmm. the bad news is there's just so many clubs out there that just you know, discourage the use of the machines, refuse to use the machines. And so, or just, and that's, that's not just me being biased. I mean, they refuse video, they refuse wearables, they refuse a lot of this technology that, you know. Yeah, this is, this is the, the evolution of the industry. I mean, this is the way that it's going. You know, I, I, I love technology and I, I, I love the, the wearables and I love, you know, I have a Mark Pro I, I, that I use all the time for recovery, you know, that I learned about through the ITPA. And, um, you know, the, these things make such a big difference to, to the industry. And I, I think it's so important for us to stay up to date. Um, you know, for me and just in, just in my personal experience with, with teaching and using the ball machine in my teaching you know, there, there would come a time where, you know, there were things that I can't do, you know, as far as playing, um, with one of my students or a fed ball, which I don't love either. So if I can get the ball machine to, to do what I can't do, then it's serving the athlete and it's helping me. (laughs) So it's instead of taking uh, money away from a lesson, it's actually, more useful because if there's a ball that I can't hit it that harder with that much spin, if I'm working with a, you know, say, say I'm working with a, a young male athlete that is, you know, aspiring to go to college, I can't necessarily hit the ball hard enough or in, in the right way. But if, if we're working on something specific, I can set up the ball machine to do what I can't do. And so in that way, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think um, back in the day when I was growing up. Um, well, first of all, I learned through Jimmy Everett was my coach for about four years as a mm. junior, and so he would just stand beside me mm-hmm. and with his Chris Everett wood racket, and <laughs> he would demonstrate and show me things. But he'd have somebody hitting balls with me all the right. time, like either feeding the appropriate ball, like you said, like giving me this wicked hard ball mm-hmm. at my feet, or they were actually playing me. So I kind of understood that the fact that I had to be beside people when I taught. Um, right. Yes. But I think the people's patience is growing thin on the on not getting better. I think mm. I think in the eighties and nineties people would stand there and get a ball fed from the net to them, this easy ball, and they mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. back to a mat. <laughs> wouldn't perform very good. And then they come back and get fed that easy ball again. And they go, well, you know, I'm just going to keep doing this. But I think in today's world, people want to get good at things really quick. 
Oh, everybody wants just, the instant gratification, you know, like, yeah, you know, you want on. it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know everybody kind of talks about pickleball as being this competition, but I think pickleball <laughs> is only successful because tennis hasn't really been, you know, I, I agree. I, I, I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, you know, when you, you, you give the people what they want, you know, and, yeah. and you, you feel the need of, of the, the current you know, time. And so that, that is something that pickleball has done and, and, you know, tennis needs to catch up in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, there's some great people out there doing great things in tennis, like with the, the, the rogie balls, for example, oh, I yeah. mean, the program that's being, that that's presented is such a great program, yes. but yet I spend 200 days on the road and I still go out and see people with now age-appropriate balls, which is actually worse because they were using yellow balls where the kid would miss really quick, and mm -hmm. then like the next kid would be up in line. But now, <laughs> because the kid can actually rally that age-appropriate ball, now there's like you know eight kids standing in line waiting even longer. You uh, know, I hate, I hate actually... lines. Lines make me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean that that's the frustrating part. You know, where yep, you yep. know you, you either do the the 10 under program correctly or you know it is you lose a lot of kids and and then even the machines can throw the uh the orange and green green dot ball so that's um, that's good to know that's actually really really huge i think um because you know if you're teaching patterns and you're teaching you know specific ball um placement and how to deal with it how to react to it um you know, that, that's a really big deal. And if, if a young player can get that with an orange ball and a green ball, by the time they get to yellow, you know, they've improved so much and they've already, they're already familiar with the pattern. I mean, so it just makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. So when I go out in the, I go out in the world and I start talking about, you know, 10 and under tennis, and they're like, aren't you the ball machine guy? And I'm like, yeah, but if this, <laughs> if this industry isn't healthy, nobody's buying anything. That's right. That's right. You know, so we have to, we have to all like get in this and, and, and fix things or, yes, you know, Oh, um, it's, it's, it's yes. Yeah. It's, I'm enjoying, you know, just, just, it's, it's nice to talk to somebody else that's, you know, fighting the good fight. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, like you know, what's we, this guy care about how people teach ladies doubles? I'm like, because it matters. It matters. It matters. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Oh, so my if that goodness. gets fixed, the whole world buys more rackets. I mean, racket sales are down 50% from oh, yeah. 16 to like 2008. Oh, if, pro shops are, are yeah. you know, disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the numbers can, can look pretty bleak at times. <laughs> so it's, you know, we've got a sort of, we have a responsibility in the industry to, to evolve and change and, and keep up with the trends and not be, you know, stubborn and hard headed And so set in our ways, we need to go, okay, this is, this is good. This technology is good. <laughs> Let's do it. Or, or, <laughs> or, you know what, give it a shot. Yeah. Just, that, that's yes. my whole thing is <laughs> like, when I teach somebody, the very first thing I say is, you know, I do a lot of things differently with a ball machine. All I need you to do is just be open-minded for a day or two. Yes. But, you know, I, I run into so many people, like you said, that are hard-headed that literally, I, I've literally seen the members go, oh my gosh, you could you could use this for cardio tennis or you could use this right. in your lessons. And the pros yep. are like, I would never use that. Wow. And I'm like, well, you just, you just saw it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You just saw it and you're, you're not even giving it a shot. And so that that's like I think is a big problem is like you said people are very stubborn and hard-headed and you know that's a that's a problem well it's it's kind of like you know if, if we spin it and say okay I'm a coach and you need to change the grip um on your backhand 
you know, say, say a player hasn't heard that or doesn't do it or for whatever reason, and we go, okay, you know, now you, you're, you can't use your same forehand grip. You've got to use, you know, this, you, or, or a serve, you know, you, we've got to shift you over to a continental or whatever. And they miss the first few and they're like, well, I can't do this. That's right. Changing. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, and so as a coach, we go, no, 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 no. You're, you, you know, it's, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah. You keep adapting <laughs> to make them that. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty during the transition, but it'll be better afterwards. It's got to get worse before it gets better. And you know, so it's like if, if as a pro, I, I, you know, just say again, in my experience, it's like if I'm trying something new that's not my, you know, everybody has their kind of rote lessons that they can go out and do on autopilot. Yeah. You know, so if you get outside of that comfort zone, outside of that box, it might not be pretty the first couple of times. But, you know, we're, we're, we're asking our students to do that. So why can't we do that ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, I, I, that's why one of the reasons why I really dig working with Playmate and working yeah. for Playmate is because they're like that. We own 90% of the commercial market in the U.S. and they still wake up every day like somebody's chasing them down the street. Wow. Wow. You know, every day we're, we're, we're having meetings and stuff that, that, that we're going to be doing this next. We're going to be doing this. What do you think about doing this? And it's like, you would think some companies that own 90% of the commercial market would just be on coast. But, right, right. And, that's that I guess that's that mentality it's been burned into my head for like 25 years so it's like when you're wired like that eventually it's really hard to see people differently like why aren't you trying to be different you know yep yep no um, there's so many people that kind of get to a point of whether it's you know financial comfort or just comfort and in, in what you're used to doing day in and day out and you just kind of put you know, put it on cruise control. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I know great people, you know, people that I really respect and, and, and really like, but, but, you know, in, in this realm, you know, they are, they're on cruise control and it's like, you know, no, we gotta, we gotta continue to get outside of our comfort zones if we're going to ask other people to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, like we look back at all the time and say, well, what were we doing different three years ago? What were you doing different five years ago? And like we look at it like personally and as a company, we we're like, holy cow, that was like barbaric five years ago. <laughs> right. I can't even believe I was doing that. You know? <laughs> right, right. And some people haven't changed in 10 years. So. That's right. That's right. No, I mean, I, I, I have sort of a distinct uh, turning point in my career of teaching, you know, with the first part of my career. You, you put people in two lines and they're standing on a, a spot or a line that you put down and you feed a couple of balls and everybody rotates out the alley to the end of the other line. And, you know, and, and, it, and, and then it was really um, Craig Jones and, um, you know, Mike Barrel when I started to see what they were doing with the red, orange and green balls and kids are rallying. And, and it just it kind of was mind boggling to me that, you know, what I was doing didn't look like tennis at all. And exactly. What, and what no, these right. people are doing, yep. the, these kids are playing tennis and these modified yeah. balls, modified rackets, modified courts. This looks like tennis. And what I was doing, well, it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and I so mean, I kind of had, I, I, I had like a, a, a crisis almost and it completely changed the way I coach. And um, uh, I think, you know, you know, Thay Bucci, do you know Thay? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so when, when I worked for him at Bell Mead up in Nashville, um, Gosh, I, 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 I cherish that time. It was, it was such a treasure to work for him. But he, and he used the ball machine with me like no one ever had before. Because it, and it was so interesting. You know, Thay is so passionate as a coach. But he wanted to help me not only become a better coach, but become a better player. 
And at that time, I was kind of like, but I don't play anymore. I've already gone through juniors in college, and I'm co- coaching now. And he's like, we got to fix your forehand. And I was like, huh? <laughs> he's like, That's awesome. we got to work on your serve and your backhand. And I was like, what? And so literally almost every day, he would be out there standing next to me, and he would have the ball machine set up, and we would do these drills working on my game. And, you know, at first it fe- I was, I was a little timid about it and it, it felt kind of awkward and I was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and yeah. then it was like, it was so amazing um, and, and life changing in a way to, to think that here's this guy who is the director here and I'm just an assistant pro and he wants to help me with my game and he wants me to help, he wants to help me become a better coach. And so we've got the ball machine out and he's fixing my backhand and, you know, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, that was super cool. But the ball machine was a huge part of it. I mean, he has, you know, I, I used to tell him all the time, I'm like, you got to write a book because, you know, I've never used a ball machine like this. I mean, the guy is amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it really, really was. I mean, it was, it was such a, such a sort of bright spot. And, and again, life changing for me and career changing because that was around the time that, that we really did make the shift between you know, lining everybody up and instead, you know, get out the little nuts, bring out the balls. Let's, let's do these, let's do it different. Let's try something different. And it, it, it's been revolutionary and that's been years ago now, you know, I mean, but we're still fighting the fight. There's still people that don't do it, but you know, this is almost, you know, this is over a decade. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, and that, you know, I hear so many cool stories like that because I mean, I feel like I had a very blessed beginning of my career. I taught mm-hmm. at a club while I was in college, mm. um, 40 hours a week um, in the wow. summer. I was crazy to probably be teaching that at like 18, 19 years old, but I was. <laughs> and But you had to wear like all white. You sure. had to wear, it wasn't even an all white club, but you had to wear it. Um, <laughs> then my, my next boss after that um, at John's Island in Vero Beach was the same way. Oh, I mean, nice. That was an all white club, but I had great mentorship. We had staff meetings about making people better. How's Susie doing? What What are you doing to make her better? Like wow. there was like, so I had these mentors and just like you were saying, um, you had these mentors and I, I just think that there's, um, there's so much not so good that it's hard to come across these mentors like that you and I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I continually look at people and admire them. And I mean, I, geez, I mean, I, I, the list is so long. I mean, living in Florida with the, the board that we've had here for 25 oh, years sure. or whatever, wow. it's crazy. Like everybody should be like in the hall of fame. I think. But, <laughs> I mean, so I've had a lot of people look up to, but you go out and watch, you know, I remember as a, a college player, if somebody was tanking against you, you just wanted to go punch them. Right. 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 You're like, you need to play. Don't right, bang. right, right. So I see so many people out, you know, and not to be disrespectful that are kind of mailing it in or tanking, you know, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, that's not that's not how the people that I was around um, when I was teaching were wired. Right. I mean, I mean, we were literally having staff meetings to have our ladies B3 team, which is the lowest one, mm-hmm. having how to make them better. How are we going to win a championship? And right. Like, really? You had meetings about that? And I'm like, yeah, we did. Yeah. We, yeah. We yeah. <laughs> and we had waiting lists for lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, commitment um, to service and commitment to athlete-centered um, coaching and, and, you know, whatever the program is, whether it's a private club or, 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 you know, public facility or academy, whatever it is, it has to be centered around serving the athlete. And, you know, when it becomes just complacent, like, well, these people are just going to show up and I can feed some balls and 
have a little chat and see you next week. I mean, we just can't take these things for granted. I mean, people's time, like your time today, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to have this conversation. And so I think that people have to go, look, everybody's busy, you know, and these people have, you know, all this stuff they're doing. So if they're going to carve out the time to come take a tennis lesson or commit to playing on a team that's going to, you know, play every Tuesday morning at nine or whatever it is, you know, it's like, that's it. You know, if they're making it a priority, the least we can do is make it a priority to, to take care of them. Yeah. I mean, like my little two year tour, we talked to, uh, and some people think that some of these conversations are negative and that everybody wants to see the world as gumdrops and lollipops. But <laughs> when things, I mean, when things need to get fixed, I mean, you have to be the person that's willing to stand up and talk about it. That's right. And, and not just say, oh, you know, this is great and this is great. And, and it's really not like we went around the country and talked to 857 members in a two year period. And, wow. and, and we talked to over a thousand pros and over a thousand pros. We, we questioned only 5% of them went on court with a lesson plan. And wow. so we went, we went back to the members and we were like, Hey, you know what? Why do you think, you know, why do you think the numbers and growth in tennis are not so good? And they said, we don't think tennis pros care. And so I say, well, wow. well you've got to, you've got to define that because I can't just go out in a seminar and say, people don't care. What is it? <laughs> like, well, like our, our team matches, like there's an expectation we had to take a team clinic, but you know, they like kind of don't go out to the matches. They don't, you know, come out of the pro shop. It's kind of like a day off for them. Or if they do watch us, um, there's nothing other than a structured lesson. Like you had talked earlier, you do mm -hmm. your warm up, you do a little mini tennis, you back up, you, you might play some kind of a structured drill. That's kind of like a, a, a thing that you do every week. Mm -hmm. And then they watch you play for a little bit, but they're like, well, wait a minute. Like we lost to a double back team. Right, and right. Never worked on double back, or maybe they pulled out Australian late in the match. And we we're like, I don't even know how to. <laughs> Where play do I hit that my stuff. return? What do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I do? And and but it was you know even though we had these things that were wrong last week, we didn't really get the lesson on that. And so that that's like a big one. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in that in that 857 people that said when I lose the match and I walk through the parking lot and they said how'd you do and I said I lost three and three. They're like, oh, all right, well have a great lunch. Wow. Not like, wow, why, you know? Right, and So right. when I go out, I, you know, I don't like to lose at Scrabble. No. So, <laughs> you know, I go out and say, gosh, I don't want to lose to Jenny's 3-0 or 3-5 team. It's just, that's going to be bad for me because then Jenny's going to have the upper hand. And, and they're like, really? You, you really care that much about a 3-5 team? You're crazy. And I'm like, And you're like, yeah, absolutely, I do. We yeah. were crazy busy, too. <laughs> No, it's so true. I, I, um, I was reading an article uh, recently. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here in Birmingham and, and Talladega is about uh, 30, 45 minutes away and, you know, that they do the big NASCAR races at Talladega. And I'm, I don't know. I really don't know anything about NASCAR. But the article was pretty fascinating to me because it was talking about the pit crews and how they plan for anything that could happen like oh, anything, anything possible that could happen on the track they have a plan to of what a plan of actions what they're going to do you know no matter what happens out there crazy and they're ready when that car comes in for the i don't even know what it is the pit stop the the, the when they come in and you know all those guys run out with all the tubes and the, you know, like i said i don't really know a lot about nascar but this article was fascinating to me because it's like okay they're thinking of every possible scenario that could happen and how they would be able to fix it and, and be successful 
despite whatever comes up on the track. And I'm like, you know, why, why aren't we doing that? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know we need to, we need to, you know, um, arm our players and, and, and prepare our students for whatever might be out there, whether it's the double back or somebody serving and volleying or, you know, they're doing Australian or this lady hits every, every ball is a slice ball. That's, you know, my nightmare. And, and you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, we have to think about all the different scenarios and be prepared like these uh, NASCAR guys. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I did, it's funny you say that because I did stuff like that. One of my perfect examples is um, any of the ladies um, teams that I, I coached, like they had to go out and, and do a dress rehearsal in the clothes that they mm. just bought. Ah, okay. Because they'll go, oh man, I went and got this great outfit. They're so cute at this, you know, whatever. And I'm like, my okay, brand new okay, shoes. Well, you're going to be putting it on shoes. and playing like a little simulated <laughs> match because when your visor is giving you a headache and mm -hmm. when your skirt's too tight or too mm -hmm. loose or mm -hmm. what's your plan or, you know, do you have bars and stuff in your bag? I mean, right. do you have the proper water? That's what right. What are you going to do if it goes three? Um, That's do you have right. A banana? What do you have? And they're like, wow. That's crazy. This is really great. Like they just love that. that yeah, stuff. you know, are you going to change your socks? Do you have? I mean, I remember, you know, one time I broke a shoelace. I mean, how random is that? You know, it's only happened one time in whatever thirty years of me playing tennis. But it's like, you know, do you have an extra set of you know shoelaces in your bag if your shoelace breaks? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like these absolutely these crazy things. Mm. I mean, you have to be prepared for whatever happens. I mean, that's what those those pit guys in NASCAR are doing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I've never, ever given anybody info like that where they went, oh, that's just silly. They right, totally right. love it. They love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly nearsighted, too. So it's like I have an extra pair of contacts everywhere. You know, it's like, what, what, what if I lost a contact? You know, what if this happened? There, there was a time I was, um, I was a teenager, actually, and I was, I was snow skiing. And I had on a pair of um, kind of the wraparound Oakley sunglasses that were popular kind of in the 90s. And, <laughs> and I'm on this mountain, and I'm snow skiing, and one of my contacts came out. And like I said, like, I am incredibly nearsighted. Like, you know, I don't, I would, you know, that, that becomes a handicap immediately. But it was stuck on the side of my sunglasses. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, so I was able to put it back in and get down the mountain. But it's like, you have to be prepared for crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, 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 we usually used to play a game like during our dynamic warm up of what you have for dinner and what you have for breakfast. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and they'd say like, oh, I had a bar. And I'm like, you had a bar? It's like 85 degrees in Florida. <laughs> and now you're coming out to play tennis. I don't think that's going to work. That's not going to last you through like, the, you know, the first three games. <laughs> but they love playing those games because like the next time you're out, like, okay, what'd you have for dinner? Like, I know I screwed up. I had, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But they really like it and they really buy into it because they, you know, they realize that, you know, as soon as you slip on the wristband or take a racket in your hand, now you're an athlete and you should yes. be preparing yourself properly. Yes. And, and they and they end up doing it. I've had kids that I've worked with that went from eating like, you know, burgers and sodas to cooking because their parents work. They end up cooking their own dinners to be more healthier. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, would, I, I would never have happened. Oh gosh. No, I, I mean, I literally used to drink a coat and eat Coke and eat a Snickers bar on the court. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, terrible. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, thank, thank goodness. So uh, there were people that came along that were like, um, yeah, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not, that's not sustainable. 
But I played D1 college tennis and nobody ever told me that it was wrong. <laughs> right. Like nobody sat down and said, okay, this is what you should be eating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I assume that, you know, I mean, it's probably bad, but nobody ever said like how bad it really was. Right, right, and, right. And how it probably affected your matches dramatically. I would have probably changed, but because nobody ever talked to me about it, you know, I never really changed much until I did this whole FBT 60 thing. It's going to mean to be 43 years right. old to do that. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I think, well, I love the program that, that this, I, I want to do it and I'm going to look it up myself, but you know, that's why I think, uh, you know, people like Dr. Mark Kovacs and what he's done with ITPA is, is revolutionary and changing, you know, changing the industry, you know, saying that, no, our health and wellness, our fitness is important. This is how you avoid injury. This is how you can, you know, be at your peak performance when you need to be. And, you know, it's not all about just going out and, and hitting forehands and backhands, but it, it is the nutrition. It is the stretching. It is your recovery. It is your hydration. You know, what are you doing? Are you, are you really actually practicing for optimal performance? You know, and, and, and yeah, and that could be, yeah. I mean, Mark is so incredible. I mean, but I, I think I think people think that that's like for the kid that's playing weekend tournaments. You know, it's a high performance player, but it's really not. It's no, it's for, for everybody. everybody. Like I said, I have everybody. I have a Mark Pro, and I use it all the time. My husband uses it. And it's like I, I see on Twitter where you know, like the Red Sox just bought two more Mark Pro Pluses and all this stuff. So I can see where people think um oh well that's just you know for for those athletes and i'm like nah, nah, no no <laughs> i use yeah. it all the time it keeps me in business keeps yeah. me going <laughs> you yeah. know these things we have to it goes back to being open-minded and willing to to try something different um you know which, I which just know. is just cool I mean, I know from our work with the uh, ladies and men's teams, like we, we roll up ice in the towels and I think like that's just for the pro players. I'm like, well, we got three people sitting out that are team players that are just sitting there waiting for the next time they're going to play next week right, or something. Right. You should be rolling these towels, making them wet, and giving them to the And the other people are sitting there in the sun just baking and our players right. are sitting there with towels around their neck like yep. a pro player. Yep. And they're like, oh, holy cow. Like, these guys are actually prepared. Yeah. No, you see those ice towels like at the Australian Open, you know, and I'm like, I want one of those. I want, you know, I want that. It looks like a giant Tootsie Roll of ice, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I want one of those around my shoulders. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, so, it's, I mean, it's, it's like, why, why is there such a distinction? It's like, if you're, if you are working hard and you are, pushing your body to its limit. It doesn't matter if your limit is a 3-0 match on Tuesday or, you know, they're playing the Australian Open. Like, you're still working your body. You're still pushing yourself. And so you, th those, you know, the level's different, but recovery is necessary no matter what level you're playing. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> and so, the, you know, it's like the folks that just, you know, finish a match and walk off and get in their car, I'm like... You know, maybe it's not cool to stretch, but goodness, I'd be tight as a drum, you know? <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, and, and, but it, it, it's all about, um, you get some pushback. I think mm -hmm. people, uh, you know, say, oh, hey, we're going to do a dynamic warm up. And at first they go, well, I think this is really silly. And then and it's like, well, do you ever see the pro players? They do this for a reason. Mm -hmm. As long as you educate them and That's like right. you continue to fight the good fight and not just go, oh, they said it was silly and you back off. You say, well, right. no, this is what we're doing and this is why. You have a conviction I, I about it. You, you believe in it. not yep. do it after that. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. You know, I'll, I'll never forget. I was actually, I had the privilege of, um, spending some time with, with Pat Whitworth and Ken Andriano when they were at the river club over in Swanee, Georgia. And 
uh, you know, obviously I'm a big ITPA fan and came out one morning and, um, I should have planned better, but I'm like, all right, we're going to do a different warm up today and we're going to do some lunges. And <laughs> some of these ladies looked at me and they were like, no, we're not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, they, they just like, it was like a total mutiny. They were like, no, we're not, I'm not doing that. You know? And I'm kind of like, well, show me how you hit a volley, you know, and you step in and it's like, well, that's a lunge position. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You know, so so it goes back to the word that you said, education, and you say, okay, if you look, if you break down what you're doing into the you know physical attributes of what it is, so say it's just an easy one, say a right hander's hitting a forehand volley, just an easy forehand volley. So you're going to step forward, the back leg's going to drop, weight's going to transfer, you're meeting the ball out in front, you know, whatever, and that's a lunge position. And, and so it's like, you're doing lunges, you do lunges all the time. Um, so we need to warm up that physical, you know, that athletic trait, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I have that same talk. Like when I have a new team or somebody like that that I've dealt with, I say, look, who here wants to win out of 857 people we quiz all people that signed that club or a club league roster said oh i want to win right mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so you want to win right and they're like yeah i said well momentum wins in sports so these are the things we're going to do because that other team is going to get out of the car play a little mini tennis god only knows what they're going to do next uh, probably <laughs> some of them don't even hit the lobs some right. of them whatever right. don't practice right. returns but right. here's what we're going to do and we're i mean and, you know, in turn, we won so – we didn't always win the match, but we won so many first sets of people who got out of the car and were like – after, like, the first three games, were like, holy crap. Like, these guys are really right. ready. Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, it, the, these it's, – it's in the details. I mean, those details make such a tremendous difference. Um, what you're eating, how you warm up, how you recover – you know, all, you know, it, it all matters. And, and if these people are going to spend the money and take the time to play, you might as well, you know, be all in, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think as a pro, I think, um, like if you go to a new team or something like that, and like you said, there's a bit of a mutiny, but if you kind of, if you kind of, you, you they understand that that's who you are and, and that's what you're about and that's what, you know, the culture is going to be like, it's pretty easy to flip the switch with people. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that a huge word that you just said was culture. And, you know, I know pros, um, again, that I like, so I don't, I don't mean this to be a negative thing, but that have tried, maybe tried something new, whether it was the red, orange and green program or, you know, adding in more fitness and the warm up or whatever and got some pushback and then just sort of let it go. You know? That's right. Exactly and, and, right. And you go, and, and for me, I'm like, well, you know, who's in charge? Or, or, yeah, that's or the, the tail wagging the dog. Who, yeah, exactly. You know, who's in charge of your program? I mean, are you going to, you have to be convicted, you have to be committed to creating the culture that you want at your club or wherever you are. And, and that means that there might be some hard conversations and there might be some tough lessons or tough clinics, but you know, ultimately, you know, who's, who's in charge, who's in the, who's leading the culture, who's creating it. You know, and if you're, if the parents push back and say, oh no, my, my eight-year-old needs to be playing with a yellow ball in the full court. And you're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, just, we, we have to, and that's why education is so important to me. It's like, we have to have an answer when, when there is an uneducated parent or player and say, no, this isn't just me saying this. This is based on research and evidence and it's, it's facts. 
You know, it's not just, I think you ought to do this. And, and I think that some yeah. people don't like, I think a pro, um, somebody came up to me the other day and they said, one of the things that people don't realize in tennis so much is that when they walk out on the court, it's really their office and mm-hmm. it's really a business. And sometimes like when you're rolling out something different, I mean, I know, for example, like I've never charged for like, when I'm, when I start working with a new team, there might be an hour or two orientation that mm-hmm. I do for mm-hmm. free. Right. This is who I am. This is what we're going to be doing. This is some of the things we're going to be doing and, and have some, you know, now is the time to push back. Like, why do you not like this? What would you like to see? They fill out player profiles where they, I find out about their injuries, uh, what, you know, if they're on any medication. I mean, we have like a full blown orientation. And I think a lot of people just get so caught up in the daily routine of the club yes. that, it's just, hey, there's Susie, my 2 o'clock lesson. There's my Tuesday, 10 o'clock ladies clinic. Oh, they've right. been here for 20 years. Who mm-hmm, cares? You know? mm-hmm. and, and I think that in other industries, that's not acceptable. Like fitness, they're constantly assessing people. Like, yes, hey, yes, definitely. Susie's my 2 o'clock, but, man, uh, um, you know, she wanted to get more lean. She's lost 2 inches off her waist in the last year. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, but they constantly assess. Otherwise, they just, in fitness, they leave. Right. That's right. Because it is so competitive now. I mean, you have people, you know, I I used to work for Lifetime Fitness and, um, you know, I thought it was pretty awesome at the time that they, you could go and you could have great Pilates, great yoga, you know, a great personal trainer, um, a swim instructor, you know, that there's tutors for children. There's, there's, you know, different language teachers and, you know, tumbling and gymnastics and there's tennis out there and, you know, they're kind of housing it. And it's sort of like the anti-country club, you know, instead of being, and not to, and again, I don't want to sound negative towards country clubs. I've worked in a million, but you know, where country clubs traditionally kind of were geared towards golf and men, I think what the fitness industry has done, which I hope tennis follows, is gear gear it towards women and children saying, okay, we have childcare. If you want to come to yoga, you know, put your, bring your child and they can come and, and they're not just going to sit here and watch a movie. They're actually going to be doing an activity and, um, you know, so it's all housed in one place rather than I'm going to go take yoga over here and then I'm going to drop my kid off at childcare over there. And then now I'm going to go play tennis over here. And then now I'm going to go over there to do my, you know, facial or whatever. I mean, they have spas at these places, you know, so it's just the industry has changed so much and we, we have to keep up, you know, we have to meet the needs of, of, of our consumers. Yeah, completely agree. You know, so it's, um, you know, I kind of get on a soapbox there. Sorry, but (laughs) yeah, I I do. I do too. It's just that passion. It's just how I'm wired. It's like I said, you know, I I just want to go out and grab somebody when they're like feeding a ball from the net, which I mean, I I get it. That's how tennis was taught in the seventies. I don't why. I mean, I mean, nobody's explained it to me like, well, they're not good enough. I'm like, well, they're not good enough to hit a moon ball that Sally's hitting them from, you know, 80 feet away. Right, Why right. is this ball fed from the net going to fix that, you know? And right. so um, I, I haven't understood that. But when you see somebody doing that or teaching a kid, I saw the other day a, a, a person was teaching a, 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 about a 12-year-old kid. And seemed, kids seemed very engaged with the pro, like kind of really had like an admiration and respect. And then the pro was like feeding like three or four balls and then looking down at their phone. Right. Like, oh, no. Gosh, you know, I mean, there's just stuff like that, that, that still there's, you know, there's always going to be, you know, uh, 
weak links in an industry, but I think that we really need to step up and, um, um, like I said, see what you're doing differently today than you were five years ago. Yes. Yes. Well, well, I certainly appreciate everything that you're doing with, with the ball machines. I mean, it, it is truly, truly a, a necessity, I feel, that can benefit every program, no matter what the program is, big, small, private, public. You know, it's, it's just so, so good what you're doing. Um, so do you have, do you have a, a parting message or something you want to say uh, just to, to, to continue um, this great conversation that we've had that I, I again, appreciate your time so much. What, what, what parting words do you have for everybody? <laughs> My parting words are hashtag stop feeding from the net. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Because <laughs> somebody somehow just email me, whatever, text me, tell me why that, that's still good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great, Stan. Thank you. Well, well, you know, one, one more thing before we go. You are presenting at the upcoming USPTA Southern Convention in Atlanta. Yes. Um, that is going to be at Atlanta Athletic Club, which is beautiful and wonderful. Um, you know, if you haven't been there, gosh, it's a great place to be. Um, so tell us just a little bit about what you're presenting on at, at the Southern Convention. Um, it's solutions to better privates, doubles, and group lessons. And basically, I'm going to walk people through, like, how, like I said, like, our orientation, like, how we how we uh, start our teams. Um, uh -huh. We don't talk strategies for the first, like, three or four weeks. We walk them through a lot of ball recognition. So when I say, Jenny, I need you to play the moon ball on the rise, they know what a moon ball is. And I go, oh, I, I know what that is. Uh -huh. um, and, or a high approach or a low approach. We learn um, a bunch of different shots, and then we get into the double strategy. And so you can see how when we get into our double strategy, and I say, Jenny, I need to hit the ball at the feet at, at this certain point, then those all turn into privates because uh -huh. that person usually – you know, says, oh, I can't hit the ball at their feet. Well, on Tuesday at 3 o'clock, I'll show you how to Let's hit the ball Let's work on it. Feet. Yep. Yeah. So um, it really, it's just, it's basically the system that we use for doubles mm -hmm. and group lessons and privates um, all in an hour and a half seminar. And then they get to walk away with this one-page doubles playbook that we have like 10 key plays of like core play number one is like one up, one back on both sides. W what, what's, what's the plan? Or one up, one back and two at the service line. What's the plan for each side? And so um, they'll get they'll get that as a walk away as a you know as well as you know access to those seventy drills that we have on our site. So um, hopefully they're going to have a good time. Ah, that sounds pretty awesome to me. Well, I am certainly looking forward to it, and I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta in two weeks. It's coming up. Yep, it's very soon. To it. yep. <laughs> well, Stan, thank you so much. This has been this has been so much fun to talk talk tennis with you, and um, yeah, I'll see you in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I really look forward to it. And thanks for your passion. <laughs> Thanks. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye.